0: Hey you guys, this is The Scripture Study Project, our podcast dedicated to helping you discover the scriptures in a fresh way, invest your mind and heart into your personal study, and connect to God in your everyday life. We are Zach and Krista Horton, your hosts, and we are back after a week break and a couple of weeks of break for you and General Conference and Easter, and uh, it's been a crazy couple of weeks.
1: Yeah, we skipped a couple weeks of the podcast, or maybe just one, I don't know. Maybe time's all slurring together for you like it is for us, but regardless, we are excited to be back here. Um, jumping into a new book of scripture, which is always kind of fun to do. Yeah. So we hope your Easter was good. I think, let's see, what do we fill them in on? Anything to say? We, you know, I guess we could talk about this. We, we
0: discovered two great things this Easter. One oh. is smushmallows, Squish squishmallows. Squish mallows, squish mallows.
1: Our kids are obsessed and we didn't even know it. I just ran into some. And
0: the Easter bunny gave our kids some squishmallows. mallows.
1: And they were thrilled, to say the least. And we all need a little bit of comfort. Those things are very comforting. They're very nice and squishy Mm -hmm. and kind of like a marshmallow, hence the name. (laughs) By the way, these are not sponsored. But we're going to say one more thing that um, I think is maybe more important than a Squishmallow because something that made me like Jesus a lot more was the Chosen TV series that just came out through VidAngel. They are producing it or sponsoring it. Do you know, Zach?
0: Yeah, it came out, I think, a year or two ago. We were just slow on the uptake. But right now, if you download the app, you can view the episodes for free. And then you can donate to help them do season two. And you can donate to help other people get free episodes and spread it around. Yeah, just some really good. Some
1: really moving. I mean, obviously, it's Jesus, so we like him. But um, anyway, we our family really enjoyed it. So something to look for if you're looking for something to watch, which you might be. Yeah. So <laughs> <that> time. <laughs> anyway, um, we're excited to be back. And like I said, this week is a new book of scripture. We're going to be studying in Mosiah starting starting today. This week is chapters one through three. And um, it's for this week, April 13th through 19th. So we're going to get started.
0: We're really excited um, about this block of scripture. Um, it's been circling around in my mind for a couple of weeks now. Um, and for good reason, there are some things that are happening here at the beginning of Mosiah that uncannily mirror what is happening in our world today. I have never read the beginning of Mosiah with as much relevance or likening as I did um, this last week or the week before, I guess. And so I'm just going to read the verses that caught my attention with a little bit of emphasis, uh, and it won't take much stretching for you to see what's going on here that's going on in our world. Now, you know the background, but if you don't, um, at the beginning of Mosiah, well, at the end of the Words of Mormon, Mormon, the narrator of the Book of Mormon, tells you um, about this King Benjamin who at the beginning of his reign had a lot of contentions among his people, but through his own efforts and through the efforts of a lot of others, he was able to bring harmony and peace to his people. And then Mosiah chapter 1 dives right in. If you want a little bit of Book of Mormon history, there are some that think that we actually are missing some of the beginning of the story, Mormon's narration of King Benjamin, because normally, at the beginning of a book, um, Mormon will give you a little bit of a, of a history. Now it came to pass, for example, this is the beginning of Alma. Now it came to pass in the first year of the reign of the judges over the people of Nephi. That's how Mormon usually starts his books. But in Mosiah, he doesn't start that way. Uh, he just says, and now there was no more contention in all the land of Zarahemla. Which makes it sound like he was narrating something before that. And then he just picks up here. So there's a couple of Book of Mormon scholars and and church historians that think that the 116 pages that Martin Harris lost actually included the first little bit of the Book of Mosiah. Whether it did or not, um, at the beginning of Mosiah, you have the story of King Benjamin, who is uh, growing old as king. He has to pass his kingdom on to his son. And so he gathers his people together to give them one final sermon. Now listen to this. Um, And if you want to say some, oh my goshes, because of what's happening, then go ahead, because that's what I did. (laughs) This is chapter two, verses five and six. It came to pass that when they, meaning his people, came to the temple, they pitched their tents round about every man according to his family, consisting of his wife and his sons and his daughters and their sons and their daughters from the eldest down to the youngest. Every family being separate One from another. And they pitched their tents round about the temple, every man having his tent with the door thereof towards the temple, that thereby they might remain in their tents and hear the words which King Benjamin should speak unto them. Now, I read this the week before General Conference, and I got so excited I told everyone I possibly could about it, but it stood out to me so much that King Benjamin's people, this is maybe a cheeky way of saying it, but they were practicing social distancing. Um, and as I read that, all of a sudden I felt the spirit grab me and just say, this block of scripture is for you. Last week I was using it or two weeks ago, I guess I was using it to help me prepare for general conference. Um, but I think it's as relevant to us now as it ever has been because what King Benjamin can do for us, what this address can do for us is the same thing it did for the people back then. So at the beginning of King Benjamin's address in verse nine, this is how he starts. He says, My brethren, all ye that have assembled yourselves together, you that can hear my words which I shall speak unto you this day, for I have not commanded you to come up hither to trifle with the words which I shall speak, but that you should hearken unto me, and then he lists three things, and open your ears that you may hear, and your hearts that you may understand, and your minds that that the mysteries of God may be unfolded to your view. Three outcomes King Benjamin has for his people, who are separate in their families and remaining in their tents to listen to him. He has three things he wants to happen to them. One, he wants them to be able to hear his words. Two, he wants them to be able to understand what he's saying in their hearts. Not just get it or comprehend it, but understand how it applies to them. And then number three, this is the one that I don't know if I've ever focused on before, but it's the one um, that grabbed my attention as I was reading this week. He wants them to be able to see or to understand the mysteries of God. Now, this is in next week's study, but in chapter five, at the end of King Benjamin's address, his people will respond and say, this is verse two, yea, we believe all the words which you've spoken to us, And also we know of the surety of the truth because the spirit of the Lord Omnipotent, which has wrought a mighty change in our hearts that we have no more disposition to do evil, but to do good continually. In other words, they've heard his words and they understand it. They they understand it in their heart. They've had a mighty change in their heart. So outcomes number one and number two accomplished. But then this in verse three, and we ourselves also through the infinite goodness of God and the manifestations of his spirit have great views of that which is to come. And were it expedient, we could prophesy of all things. I don't know about you. Well, actually, I probably do know about you because I think we're all going through the same thing, which is we are in our tents, separate from everybody else, and remaining in our tents, which is causing a lot of stir craziness in our home and probably in your home as well. And this week, we're going to read a block of scripture that is intended to help us understand the mysteries of God. Um, I was telling you, Chris, right before we began this, um, the last we went to my seminary building this last week just to pick up a couple of things. And uh, on my board was the title of the last lesson that my students and I had together, and uh, it was the day that it was the day we were waiting to find out if school was going to be canceled. And I titled the lesson "What's Going On" with a big question mark and exclamation point. And the first student that came into my room said, "Yeah, what the heck?" that was his response. And that's what we studied that day was what's going on. That
1: was everyone's response to all this. Still is.
0: Well, this block of scripture can help us at least begin to answer that question. It can unfold the mysteries of God to us and maybe help us gain just a little bit of a view of that which is to come. And so our question for our study is, what do we learn from King Benjamin's address that helps us understand just a little bit of what's going on and how maybe we can act Uh, in this kind of crazy time.
1: So to start in first, I just, I I couldn't help but um, want to elaborate or talk a little bit more about those scriptures that Zach has already read. Um, If there wasn't a time that we could relate more to the people of King Benjamin than now, I don't know when it is. It's almost maybe a little eerie or maybe a little uncanny, that feeling of the things that he talks about in chapter 5. Um, they came up to the temple, they pitched their tents round about the temple, um, and they were, they were separate from one another. They couldn't all be in the same place. Um, if you turn to chapter or to verse seven, um, it says for the multitude being so great that King Benjamin could not teach them all within the walls of the temple, he caused a tower to be erected. And I couldn't help but think, you know, that's kind of luckily like our prophets have already built a tower. Our world has built towers so that we can have... Our prophets in our own homes, whether that's in the scriptures that we have in our homes or that's the TV that we can watch things on from our prophets and um, have them right within our homes. I I was looking at some of the pictures of King Benjamin's people and I thought they would have thought it was really cool to have a little TV screen with King Benjamin on it (laughs) right in their own tent. Um, And so we have all these tools for, for us and we have all of these great things. Um, But it's still a sacrifice. I noticed in verse 3, it talked about them offering these sacrifices. And it's a sacrifice that we're going through right now. This isn't an easy thing, even though it makes it sound easy the way that I just said it. Hey, we have everything we need. They've already built a tower. We already have our our families together and our, our personal lives kind of separate from one another. I think we can look at this as a very refining time for us. Um, everything's built in for us. It's kind of this, almost like we're right there. We're in King Benjamin's speech right now. This is our time to learn and be edified like these people are so that we can, for ourselves, understand those mysteries of God. That that's the opportunity we have that I think we can take this time to look look for those mysteries as we are in our homes. Maybe Maybe you're your tent isn't all the way facing toward the temple or all the way doing those things, but and it might be a sacrifice to get there, but we really can do that. I just, I, I think it's, it's so cool to think about that.
0: When well, I like the word sacrifice too. Um, I had a friend of mine that taught me recently the difference between having to give something up and, and sacrificing. Um, and he just mentioned that the result of both actions is the same. If you have to give something up, you're going to go without it. If you're going to sacrifice something, you go without it. But the way that you feel about it and the effect it has on you is different. So for example, in a pre-social distancing time, we all went to church for two hours. Um, Either you're going to have to go to church for two hours a day and you're going to give up that time, or you're going to willingly sacrifice that time to the Lord. Now the result is the same. Two hours of your day is going to be spent at church, but your experience is very different. And so I'm thinking of what you're saying and looking at what we're going through right now and thinking, am I just, am I, am I having my time and my freedoms and my, my pleasures taken away from me because of the situation of the world? And am I kind of grumpy and sad about it? Or can I proactively decide that I'm going to give this up? I'm going to sacrifice this time so that I can be with my family and put my tent towards the temple and have an experience with God and that that sacrifice can be sanctified and 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 become sacred to me and my family.
1: And maybe you're feeling like I do, and I was just actually complaining to Zach about kind of feeling that like, Ooh, this is this is a little overwhelming, all that's happening and all that we have to do." But um, I think we really can look at it. I think that's maybe why I noticed this as an answer for me is that I can choose to look at this as a really refining time. And when we say that it's refining, that means it's it's gonna be a little bit hard. And it is gonna be a sacrifice, but we can look at that and turn it into something beautiful because we do have the resources we need to do that. And heck, we're studying King Benjamin's speech this week. Maybe that's the resource we need. It's been that way for me so far.
0: One of the thoughts I had at the end of Words of Mormon, this is in verse 18, the verse right before the book of Mosiah begins. Um Mormon just mentions that King Benjamin, by laboring with all the might of his body and the faculty of his whole soul, and also the prophets, did once more establish peace in the land. And then the first verse of Mosiah, chapter 1, verse 1, it says again um, that he had continual peace all the remainder of his days. Um, We know from the record that king benjamin was a peace-loving king he worked hard for it himself and he desired that peace for his people i also think that in this king benjamin is a type of christ um, or at the very least he's a disciple of christ he's trying to become more like the savior and so the fact that king benjamin is a peace-loving king i think points to a greater truth about our god and our savior that They are peace-loving gods. We worship a peace-loving God. He's called the Prince of Peace, which means that if we're in a time when there's lots of confusion or contention or question, that's not the way it's supposed to be, which means it's not a permanent state. Because we follow the Prince of Peace, eventually there will be peace. There will be peace. If it's not happening now, I can take comfort in knowing that it is going to happen eventually, because that's the God that we follow.
1: You know, it's interesting that you brought up the um, those three things that you said. You said questions and confusion and contention. I think was the other one, which they aren't all c words, Zach. Questions doesn't sort of sound out. like it, but um, nice try. But um, I just couldn't help but think of those times when those things. Um, maybe the one that stood out specifically to me is because I've been having a lot of questions come up lately, um, is that those are those moments for me where um, they're a a period of time where I'm experiencing those. And the period of time varies. Um, But what I felt comes after those is this piece that you're talking about. And to maybe even take it a little bit further is, when mysteries of God are unfolded to me, when my questions are answered, or when I I feel why I've had contention or confusion in my in my heart or in my life, so I think we can really um, have answers in all of those times. Something that I noticed in my study was almost a cycle of. I think something really beautiful that can answer this question of um, how do we unfold the mysteries of God and King Benjamin lays it out for us starting in verse 20 of chapter 2 he talks about um, he says I say unto you my brethren that if you should render all of your thanks and praise which you possess your whole soul has power to possess to God and he lists all of these things that God has done he's created you he's preserved you cause that you should resort rejoice, has granted that you should live in peace one with another. Um, He's preserving you from day to day by lending you breath that you may live and move, um, supporting you from one moment to another. Um, Just some really beautiful phrases of deep down you can tell and see this gratitude that King Benjamin feels so deeply. And I think we can feel it too. And then down in verse 22, he says, And all that he requires of you is to keep his commandments. And he has promised you that if you would keep his commandments, you should prosper in the land. And he doth never vary from that which he has said. Therefore, if you do keep commandments, keep his commandments, he doth bless you, and prosper you. So the reason I call it a cycle was just something I noticed. This idea of gratitude for who God is and what He does for you, um, and I think automatically when we feel gratitude for something, we think, "What can we do? What can we do to give back to it?" and All that he requires of you, we're told, is to keep his commandments. And then after that, he blesses us again um, and he prospers us. I love that. I love that word prosper. He uses that a couple times. He should prosper you in the land. And then again, at the end of verse 22, he doth bless you and prosper you. Um, And as I was thinking of that in relation to this question of, what how can we understand the mysteries of god that king benjamin's teaching about i I couldn't help but think what does it really mean to prosper i think sometimes we have that notion of that well we make more money or we're doing well temporally and but i think that can also be um spiritual prospering if i said that right spiritually prospering Um, but you get the idea um those mysteries can be unfolded to us because God wants to prosper us. He wants to unfold things to us and show us things. And I think that can be a really beautiful cycle because when we're prospering spiritually or temporally, but I have even, even say maybe more so spiritually, we have this desire to thank God and to really recognize who he is and say, give me more. I want to know more of what you want to teach me and let me keep your commandments more because I'm so grateful for what you're teaching me. Um, and the, I think that cycle can continue and continue and that he will prosper us and unfold great things to us, open our hearts, open our ears and our eyes to see things um, that can be really life-changing and beautiful for us.
0: He says as much in verse 41 at the end of the chapter, um, I would desire that you should consider on the blessed and happy state of those that keep the commandments of God. For behold, they are blessed in all things, both temporal And spiritual. I think I've always read that or misread that to mean, oh, we're blessed temporally, which means right now, and we're blessed spiritually, which means later. But he finishes the sentence and says, And if they hold out faithful to the end, they are received into heaven, and thereby they might dwell with God in a state of never ending happiness. That's the future blessing that comes, which means that temporal and spiritual are both current blessings. He can bless us temporally, or does bless us temporally, and he does bless us spiritually. Um, one of my favorite scriptures in the Doctrine and Covenants is that God says all things to him are spiritual and he never does anything that is temporal only. And so if we're looking at a time when our temporal well-being might be um, a little bit stressed or strained, we should be able to look and see the spiritual blessings that come from that temporal strain.
1: And I think I like this so much because I love thinking of it of these mysteries of god that he can unfold to us because i think we can open up our thoughts and our minds and our maybe our mindset to what these actually mean like what does it mean that he's going to bless us temporally and spiritually i think i think that can almost blow our minds if we start to think about it if we start to think about it and realize what he has in store for us when we're seeking and doing those things that he asks us to. And even the keeping the commandments part, I think we can really even put that into a box of what it means to keep his commandments. But I think it's seeking after him and really understanding. And by that, commandments come really easy because we're so eager to, to give back and continue that relationship with him.
0: Well, the final thought that I had is in chapter three, which is really the centerpiece of King Benjamin's sermon. Chapter 2 is leading up to chapter 3, and then chapters 4 and 5 are kind of a a, a a recounting, a telling of what the people's experience was in hearing chapter 3. King Benjamin's whole reason for gathering his people was to name the new king, and to, uh, he'll say this in chapter 1, to give the people a name. We'll talk more about this next episode. Um, But in chapter 3, he relates a vision that was given to him by an angel. And in chapter 3, verse 3, the angel speaks. In fact, I notice that this whole chapter 3 is um, this angelic messenger speaking. And so in verse 3, the angel says, Awake and hear the words which I shall tell thee. For behold, I am come to declare unto you the glad tidings of great joy. For the Lord has heard thy prayers and has judged thy righteousness, and has sent me to declare unto thee that thou mayest rejoice, and that thou mayest declare unto thy people that they may also be filled with joy. If my first point that I liked was peace, the motion or the emotion of peace, the second one I liked is the emotion of joy. Um, we follow a God who is the prince of peace, but we also follow a God who is filled with joy, and His desire for us is that we have that joy. And so the angel tells King Benjamin about this coming God, this Lord Omnipotent, he calls him in verse 5, who will come down among his people, he'll dwell with them, he'll go amongst them working mighty miracles, healing the sick, raising the dead, the lame to walk, the blind to receive their sight, the deaf to hear, all manner of diseases, cast out devils, evil spirits, Um, he will do all of these things for his people so that they can experience joy. But then in verse 9, it says, He cometh unto his own, that salvation might come unto the children of men, even through faith on his name. And even after all this, they shall consider him a man, and say that he hath a devil, and shall scourge him, and shall crucify him. Um, I wrote in my scriptures, do I consider him a man? I think it's tempting sometimes in reading scriptures, um, about ancient stories, 2000 year old stories to agree or assent that they happen, but maybe not to believe them in our heart of hearts. I think this is the time when we are at home in our tents, separate from everyone else. And much of what occupies our time is removed from us, or hopefully we are sacrificing. I think this is the time to develop a relationship with Christ That is more than just understanding him as a man, but seeing him do these miracles that are mentioned in verses 5, 6, and 7 in our own lives. In other words, do you believe that Jesus Christ is just a man that taught and did what he did 2,000 years ago? Or do you really believe that he dwells with us, that he can perform mighty miracles, heal the sick, cause the lame to walk blind to receive their sight, he can reveal mysteries and he can guide us and direct us? Do we really believe that? And if so, now is the time to invite him to do those things in our life through prayer, through fasting, through scripture study, um, through uh, service to others, through ministering efforts, um, following the gospel of Jesus Christ, those things that can allow him to be that active and miracle working part of our lives.
1: And I think that's a really beautiful thought to end with. And end the Easter weekend with, as you come away from this past week of hopefully studying the Savior's life a little more than you usually do, um, that you can really see him as the Savior for all of us that he really is. Because he's the one that we need right now, and I know that I need him always, too. Thank you so much for studying with us. Um, we're, great, we're grateful to be back. We're excited to um, get back on track with everything after our little break, and we're grateful that you are here listening. So thank you so much. Hope you have a great week.